This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. The last recession ended nearly 10 years ago. And starting in July, we will be in the longest period of continuous economic growth in U.S. history. And if it's the longest economic expansion ever, then what or who could kill it? I'm Kate Limbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. Welcome to The Journal, our new podcast about money, business, and power. It's Wednesday, June 26th. Recessions are very uncertain times. You get layoffs, you get rising unemployment, you get consumer confidence falling. John Hilsenrath covers economics for The Wall Street Journal. Been here now for almost 22 years. Really, when you boil down how I've spent this time in the journal, it's been writing about economic and financial crises and how people and financial systems respond to them. And lately, a lot of people seem to be concerned that another recession could be right around the corner. Nearly half of all chief financial officers in the U.S. expect a recession to hit by the end of next year. The escalating trade war between the United States and China is making investors nervous. This is a very serious issue. So markets are are, are jittery, and they should be. It's like suddenly the recession talk has just surged. John says there have been three big things that have historically thrown us into a recession. One is... We've had periods of excess that got out of control, like the housing bubble or the tech boom. Another is we've had shocks to the system, like Lehman Brothers collapsing or like the oil price spike of the early 1990s. And the third is that the Fed went too far in raising interest rates to try to kill off things like inflation. And uh, its, its efforts to hold off inflation ended up leading to recessions. So the big question right now is, Do we have excesses? Is there some shock that's going to hit the economy? And has the Fed gone too far? Those are the three big questions that will determine whether this expansion can go well past the decade or whether we're going to get cut off right when things are getting good. First, let's talk about the Fed. There was an economist in the 1990s who said no expansion dies of old age. It's usually murdered in bed by the Federal Reserve. The Fed wants to be the most boring institution in America. It doesn't want attention because all it can do is mess things up. But the Fed has had a very hard time being that boring character that it longs to be because it plays such a central role that it usually finds itself to be the drama queen of the American economy. If the Fed missteps on that central role, which is setting interest rates, then it can throw off the whole economy and start a recession. One thing that happens is early in expansion, the Fed is trying to get the economy going with really low interest rates, trying to encourage banks to lend money, consumers to borrow money, to spend it and invest it. And it's kind of the easy part of the job for the Fed. What happens late in expansion is the Fed is trying to make sure that things don't get overdone and cause some period of inflation. And they raise interest rates. And so there is a risk late 
in an expansion that the Fed goes too far and raises interest rates too much. That's one vulnerability. But even if the Fed is able to get interest rates right, there's a second major threat that's very difficult to predict. John calls these shocks. You know, in part, recessions are caused by shocks that you don't see coming. Uh, So it's really hard to call those things. Very few people understood the shock to the financial system and economy that was going to result when a modest size investment bank called Lehman Brothers collapsed. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew that Saddam Hussein was going to invade Kuwait in 1990. The other risk is the shock that's staring us in the face that we're unprepared for. And the obvious one that economists that I talk to are pointing to is trade. If this trade confrontation between the U.S. and China gets worse, it could lead to some real problems for the Chinese economy and for our economy. What are some of the ways that we could see a trade war between the United States and China become a shock that could send us into a recession? American multinational companies have spent the large part of the last two decades investing in putting their factories in China. A great deal of their profitability and their profit margins is tied up in low-cost Chinese labor. If we're going to put tariffs on American companies that are producing in China and selling to the U.S., then that could lead to profit problems and profit margin problems for, for companies that spill back into the United States. Another channel is financial channels. You know, we saw it from 2007, 2008, 2009, that when things go wrong in the financial system, it could have huge effects on the economy. So while shocks like this can be hard to predict, the third thing that could cause a recession might be even harder to spot. It's called excesses. See, when the economy has been growing for a long time, it's easy to forget the times when the economy was in recession. And people will start to take risks risks that could ultimately damage the economy. When you're in these periods of excess, like the tech stock boom of the 1990s or the housing boom of the 2000s, people start to talk themselves into beliefs that aren't realistic. And I think one of the things that's kept this expansion going for so long is we didn't get this period of irrational exuberance in which we overinvested in homes uh, or in some new tech dream. Do you think that people felt so much pain from the last recession that they're just going to be more cautious and therefore we can maybe take one of these risk factors off the board, at least for now? Well, I think that's a real possibility. So, you know, one one of the things that struck me when I looked at what happened to other countries when they had really long expansions is in several cases, their long expansions came after some big shock. Mm -hmm. So the UK had an expansion that went from March 1992 to May 2008. And that followed a currency crisis in which they had a sharp devaluation of the pound. Interest rates went up, unemployment went up. It was a terrible shock to the UK economy. But that set the stage for changes in policy and also kind of some sobriety about the outlook that, that allowed the UK to continue on a long expansion. It's also like people that you know that lived through the Great Depression. They spent the rest of their lives, in many cases, being extraordinarily frugal and safe. They sure did. My, I, I lived with my grandmother growing up, and she was a child of the Depression. And uh, she saved every piece of tinfoil that she ever used. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. you know, my grandmother was a woman who was never going to overdo it. That was That was for sure, you know. 
she she saved her money uh, and she walked to the bank uh, to to make her deposits because she didn't want to have to pay for a taxi when she couldn't drive anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, she certainly lived with that for the rest of her life. And you know, a lot of people uh, talk right now about how the millennial generation of today is in some ways like the the children of my grandmother's generation and are kind of going about things very cautiously as they try to rebuild from the terrible downturn that we went through in 07, 08. So excesses, shocks, and missteps by the Federal Reserve. These are all things that could kill an expansion and send us into a recession. But John says there's actually a fourth option here, which is that none of those things happen. I think a lot of Americans have a mindset that expansions die of old age, that, you know, once they get, you know, 10 years is a long time for any expansion and it's bound to end. Uh, And that's certainly been the experience of the last couple of decades. But if you look at the rest of the world, you get a much different story and a story that surprised me after having written about economics and finance for so long. I'll just read down the list looking at expansions that we've had in other countries. China has had one that's gone on since December 1989, according to the Economic Cycle Research Institute. Wow, so 30 years? 355 months. Australia has had an expansion that's gone on since December 1991. 28 years, 331 months. The UK had an expansion that went for 195 months between March 1992 and May 2008. Looking down this list, Taiwan, India, Germany, South Korea, France, Sweden, Spain, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway have all had expansions at some point since World War II that went 15 years or longer. And it just makes you ask this question, could the U.S. too? Obviously, nobody can predict the future, but how can we really ever know if we are at the precipice of another recession? This kind of conversation people have becomes pervasive that this time is different. Some of this, you have to put aside all the numbers, all the analyses from all these PhD economists and all the wonkery that you get on the cable channels. And you just have to look at your gut and ask you if your gut tells you, is this right? Does this sound like it's getting unrealistic or overdone? You know, the internet is a totally different phenomenon. You can't think about profits and investment the way you used to, or, you know, the economy is different now, you know, housing prices never fall. You can't think that home prices are gonna lead to a whole economy coming down. Uh, There's new innovations in the financial system that allow anyone in the world to invest in the U.S. mortgage. And, you know, what I've seen in 20 plus years of covering this is those gut checks are sometimes as good a guide to when a recession is coming than uh, any fancy model that you're going to find on Wall Street. And what is your gut telling you right now? I'm going to regret saying this, but I don't see the kinds of excesses that were so obvious in the U.S. economy in the 2000s in housing and in the 1990s in technology, those excesses don't look there. So I think this economy has the potential to go for a really long time, but this might be a case where we shoot ourselves in the foot. And I think the biggest risk is a trade war that filters its way through our financial system, through our currency, into our economy, and leads to bad outcomes for everybody in the end. 
So how big of a risk is a trade war between the U.S. and China? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Welcome back. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. For the last year, the U.S. and China have been locked in an escalating trade dispute. The U.S. put tariffs on Chinese imports. China retaliated. The U.S. added more tariffs. And now tensions between the two countries are as high as they've ever been. On Saturday, President Donald Trump and Chinese leader Xi Jinping are set to meet. Both leaders are facing domestic pressure to de-escalate this fight without giving ground on their demands. President Trump, who has a long-held view that China benefits unfairly from trade, is heading into an election year. Donald Trump, one of his big campaign promises was he was going to reset relations with China. If he hasn't accomplished anything by the time of the election, that'll be a big negative for him. That's Bob Davis, who covers trade in Washington. His colleague Ling Ling Wei, who's based in Beijing, says that China and its leader, Xi Jinping, have their own motives. They can't be seen as conceding too much to the United States. If the trade war really spins out of control, causing the Chinese economy to collapse, that would be a huge issue for the, for the leadership. China has invested so much in building up Xi Jinping as this strong man, this very tough leader, and invested so much into this whole idea of national rejuvenation. So they also felt like they can't afford to cave too much to the U.S. And at stake here is a lot for the global economy. A few weeks ago, Trump announced a steep new tariff that could come as soon as July. He would put a 25 percent tax on nearly everything that comes from China. Consumer goods, clothing, iPhones, laptops, bicycles, you know, stuff that when people go to Walmart or Target and they say, you know, everything's made in China, it's all that stuff, which so far has been, largely has not been hit. Uh, now all of a sudden it will be hit. That would be quite disastrous for both countries. The potential economic impact is pushing these two leaders to sit down and talk again. But what comes of the talks is still unclear. There are three potential outcomes. Trump and Xi could come to a full trade agreement. They could come to a sort of temporary ceasefire. Or they could come away with nothing. And Trump's new tariffs would then come into effect. Bob and Lingling say their sources have made it clear neither side expects a full trade agreement. Most likely, they'll agree to a ceasefire kicking the can down the road. I mean, it basically gives both sides a month or two months, whatever it is, to kind of like chill out. 
I think something like that is probably the most likely outcome because the consequences of node truce are so dire that that'll move them in that direction. The complicating factor here is that dire consequences don't necessarily mean a deal is imminent. Today, in an interview on Fox Business, President Trump said his tariffs are working and pushing China closer to cutting a deal. It's possible we're going to make a deal, but I'm also very happy where we are now. Meanwhile, China says it can endure more tariffs, even if those tariffs hurt its economy. Xi Jinping basically told Chinese people to prepare for another long march. The long march was this long retreat to safety made by the communist revolutionaries. The official media here portrays that as paving the way for the ultimate victory of the Communist Party. The one thing Chinese officials like to talk about is Chinese people just have very high tolerance for pain. Um, They can endure much more pain, supposedly, than Americans. That's the talking point. So Xi Jinping basically sending out this signal that we are prepared for protracted trade war. We're not in a hurry to kind of deal with you. While the leaders of the two countries call each other friends, they both say they're prepared for the possibility that this fight will continue. I mean, it's a gamble with the global economy. I mean, that's where we're at. It's a roll of the dice. The stakes are very high. That's all for today, Wednesday, June 26th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. 